But now I want you to grab your Bibles uh, and open them up to the book of 2 Peter. I'm going to pray and we're going to jump right into the message. All right, we're not going to delay anymore. Um, that's that's it. We got no videos to play. We don't have the, the means to do that. We're in my kitchen. Uh, we're shooting from Pastor Jeff's iPhone and uh, we got no slides. We've got uh, nothing to cut away to. This is it. This is all you're getting today. This is the only atmosphere. My wife, when she comes on after the message, maybe she'll sing a song uh, for us. A lot of you guys don't know she sings. No, I'm kidding. She doesn't sing. <clears throat> um, so this is it. But let's just pray and we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the families, the folks, the individuals who are tuning in, um, uh, just the people who are uh, watching um, online this morning, friends and family who are tuning in. Uh, God, I pray that you would speak, that you would talk to us, that you would move us, that you would um, captivate us captivate us with your goodness. Um, I pray that as we prepare to kick off a new year, that we can not just make uh, superficial, shallow New Year's resolutions, but that we actually make New Year's resolutions that you care about. And uh, I ask that you would use our time together this morning to that end. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to be finishing a series that we started a few weeks ago called Between Two Advents. Uh, Between Two Advents, talking about what it means to embrace the tension of the already but not yet aspects of the kingdom of God. Meaning God, uh, his kingdom has come already through Jesus's life, death and resurrection. Jesus brought it in. Right. He said the kingdom of God is here. He died on the cross. He paid for our sins. He rose again, and he started resurrection life. The kingdom broke into the brokenness of this world, right? So the kingdom was paid for, but not until he returns will it be fully experienced by us. Will it be fully ushered in? So it's paid for, but it's not fully experienced. So there's a tension that we have to live in as followers of Jesus. I likened it a few weeks ago to the difference or the, the living between D-Day and V-E-Day, right? D-Day was, was a huge victory. It, it, it all but guaranteed the end of World War II, but uh, there was almost a year before Victory in Europe Day. Um, I want to use another illustration this morning. Um, July 31st, 2012, my wife Jess and I, we packed up our home in Red Bank where we were renting. We packed up a truck. And we drove that truck down to Wall, parked that truck, got in a car and drove out 195 to uh, Hamilton area and met at a bank uh, to close on a house in brick that we had just purchased. So we signed the papers, got the keys to the house, and the house was uh, legally ours. We, we, we owned the house now. But we weren't living there yet. We, we weren't yet fully experiencing what it meant to be owners of that house, right? We were owners. It was paid for, but what we still had to do was drive back down 195, get in that truck, drive that truck to brick, unload that truck, bring in all the boxes, then unpack the boxes over the next few days, and then, quite frankly, spend the next few years renovating, changing things, making repairs, so that it felt like our home. Uh, so, uh, was it ours when we closed on the house? Yes. But was it ours yet? Like, were we home yet? No, it took a while. So that's kind of the, the, the tension that we live in as followers of Jesus, right? Uh, imagine after we closed on the house, imagine me and Jess kind of sat in the car and said, you know what, well, the bank still technically owns the house, you know, and we're just kind of paying the mortgage. So if they really want us to live there, they'll move us in themselves. We'll wait for them to move us in and unpack our boxes for us. We'll just kind of let them, you know, call us up and we'll wait in the car. What would have happened? We wouldn't have moved in. We wouldn't have experienced being here. And that's how many followers of Jesus live. They're like, well, you know what? God's in charge. When Jesus returns, he'll fix everything. In the meantime, things are broken. I'm going to struggle with this. I'm going to struggle with that. Life's going to stink. But Jesus said, you know, no, I've given you authority. You've got the keys to the kingdom. Start unpacking some boxes, right? Advance. Move into this broken world. Bring my power. Bring my glory. Uh, take authority over sickness and disease and sin and, and death and, 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 and just evil in this world. Move your boxes in. 
Yes, things aren't going to be fully right until Jesus returns. Absolutely, right? But that doesn't mean we are to sit idly by, passively waiting. We are to advance. We are to use our authority. Uh, we are to um, use the power that Jesus has given us by his spirit to implement or enforce, uh, put into practice what he has paid for. Right? Follow that? So that's what we've been talking about these three weeks. This is the final week. And what I want to talk about today, the, the, the title of today, I, I've put it in an email, I put it out there. The title of today is this. If you have a notebook, by the way, you can take some notes. Again, no slides. It's very different. There's nothing to take a snapshot of. Just take some notes. But here's the title. New power over old struggles for a new year. New power over old struggles for a new year. So we talk as a church about being authentic, right? About, about being a place where you can admit that you're, you're still a little messed up. You still struggle with different things. You still fall. You still stumble. We need to be able to be authentic about that, confess that to each other, say, hey, man, I'm still struggling. Be challenged by each other, right? Have somebody come, you know, an accountability partner come to us and be like, dude, you're being a little prideful here. And us being able to receive that and go, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I'm still, I, I still struggle in that area. Um, so we talk a lot about that. Um, we need to be a church where we uh, don't pretend like we've arrived. That's dangerous, right? Uh, we need to be willing to admit, man, I still struggle with sin. First um, John, uh, I'm just going to read this to you. Don't, don't, don't worry about looking it up. First John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 says this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So let's not pretend like we have it all together. Let's not be a church that, that, that pretends like we have arrived. We haven't. We still struggle with things. We need to be able to confess it both to God and to each other and trust that Jesus forgives us and cleanses us. Right? So uh, as many churches put it, this is not our tagline. Many churches put it like this. It's okay to not be okay. And that's true. It's okay to not be okay. However, that said... We can take that idea too far. We can take that truth too far and abuse it. We can take it to the point where we have a culture of just patting each other on the back and going, well, you know, we all struggle. Nobody's perfect. It's okay that you struggle with that still. Where we accept it in ourselves and go, yeah, you know what? I'm probably just going to struggle with this until Jesus comes back. And we don't expect breakthrough. We don't expect transformation. We don't expect growth. We, we kind of get passive about it. We get content just confessing it, right? So long as I confess it to people, then everybody's going to pat me on the back and I'll feel better about myself. We use the excuse that nobody's perfect. Uh, we use that as, a, as an excuse not to, not to grow, uh, as, a, as a reason why we are just staying where we are. I, I want to I read a, a quote from the classic book, Mere Christianity. Um, by C.S. Lewis. Uh, actually, I think C.S. Lewis in that book quotes George MacDonald, but he says this, God is easily pleased, but not easily satisfied. I'm going to say that again. If you want to put somebody, want to put that in the chat room. God is easily pleased, but not easily satisfied. Now that might sound strange to some of you. It did to me when I first heard it. Um, but he, he uses this analogy. Um, picture a father whose young child, toddler, is learning to walk. If that child takes two steps, that dad is going to be pleased. Yes, you know, you sunny boy, you, you took two steps, you, you, you tried. Even if that little boy falls, his dad's going to be pleased. He's going to be cheering him on. But the dad's not going to be satisfied until he's walking like an adult, right? The dad's not going to be like, that's all you need to do. Two steps is fine. That's all you need to do for the rest of your life. No, he loves his boy too much to leave him there. He's going to keep encouraging him. He's going to be like, all right, now try three steps. All right, now try ten steps, right? That's what a dad does. And likewise, our Heavenly Father, oh, he's, he's pleased with us as we, as we stumble our way in life. And, and when we fall, we get to confess our sins to him and accept his grace. And he's pleased to pour out his grace. And, and he's pleased when we trust him for forgiveness. But he's not satisfied to leave us there. He, he wants to see us grow, transform. He wants to see us have new breakthroughs. Why? 
Because number one, the more we grow and mature, the more we are going to enjoy life, enjoy our relationship with Him, the more joy and peace there is for us. And number two, the more we mature, the more it brings God glory. Because as His image bearers, we are more accurately reflecting the character of God. It reflects who He is. So He wants us to grow, right? For His glory. Now, therein lies the rub. Because um, many folks would think, okay, Chris, I get it. I, I, I know that God wants me to grow. I, I know that God wants me to grow. And that's the problem. Because now I feel ashamed and I feel guilty because I keep screwing up. I keep falling. I keep stumbling. I keep falling back into that addiction. I keep losing my temper. I keep struggling with this chronic addiction, uh, this, this anxiety, this depression, this despair. Uh, I, I know that about myself and I feel embarrassed about it. I, I know God wants me to change and I can't fix it. So, Chris, now you're making me feel worse. And I get it. Listen, listen, listen. I get it. Let me share this with you guys. Uh, I did get my wife's permission for this one. Uh, sort of. She saw my notes. So, um, about a couple months ago, um, we had a disagreement, which, you know, we have disagreements a lot. Um, but this one turned into an argument. We don't have arguments a lot uh, anymore. Um, so, this one turned into an argument where we were kind of both getting triggered. And, uh, and it escalated pretty quickly to the point where I did something that... I don't know if I've ever done, um, but I walked out of the house. Like, I left without saying goodbye. There wasn't like a, um, hey, we'll talk about this later. Hey, well, you know, let, let's just take a break. Just left, went to the office, didn't say goodbye to Jess, didn't even tell her where I was going. Um, I was mad. And, and again, that, that might not sound like a big deal to, for some people, but that's not my tendency is to do that. My, my tendency is to say like, hey, we're going to talk about this until this is resolved. You know, in the past, she would say, I'm going for a drive. I need to get away for, you know, just get, get, get some space. Um, but that's not my tendency. So for me to just walk out and kind of go like, ah, screw this. I'm out of here. Um, I was bothered, right? So I get to the office. I'm f mad on one hand, and I'm also feeling guilty on the other hand, right? I'm mad at her, but I'm also feeling guilty. Like, where did that come from? Why did I just leave? Like, I don't do that. It's like, I know better. Like, where'd that come from? So I, I felt guilty. And so if, if, if you've been in that place recently where you've been working on your temper and you lost it, you're like, man, what the heck? Like, I can't seem to conquer this thing. Or man, I'm getting counseling for this anxiety and I keep falling into this mind trap where I'm responding to everybody out of this anxiety. I get it. Like, there's, a, there's a temptation to sit in that guilt and sit in that shame. Well, here's the good news. Here's the good news. Unlike that dad who was, um, um, had his child, right? Unlike that, that dad whose child was trying to walk, um, who had limited control over whether or not the child will actually walk, right? All he can do is encourage his child, give him some of his genes, right? That's pretty much all he can do. Our Heavenly Father actually supplies us with power through Christ to live the way he wants us to live and to experience these breakthroughs. So that said, we're going to dive now into the book of 2 Peter. We're going to be in chapter 1. I want you to follow along with me. Uh, we're going to be in a bit for about 20 minutes, and then we're going to get, uh, and then we're, I'm going to bring my wife in. So here we go. 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start in verse, let's see, verse 3 is where we're going to be. Peter says this, By his divine power... God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. By his divine power, he has given us everything we need for a godly life. So Peter's saying, those of you who follow Jesus, you have everything you need to live a godly life. This means, number one, that's something you should want to do to live a godly life, to, to live a life that reflects, now it's not moral life. There's a difference, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But a godly life that reflects the character and attitude of God um, a life of purity, love, peace, uh, joy, not self-centeredness, not self-pity all the time, right? Not, not, not angst and despair. Uh, he says you, you should want to do that and you have everything you need to do that. Not in your own willpower, not in your own strength, but by his divine nature or divine power. So it's the, it's the power that comes from heaven itself, right? Divine being of God, of heaven. Right? So the same power, I mean, think about that for a second. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that spoke the world into existence 
is available to us so that we can live a godly life. Think about that. I've been meditating on this passage for the last few months. It's, it's crazy to me. It's crazy. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, geez. So I came up with a few questions that we should, we should think about. We should ask ourselves. Um, number one, do I want to live a godly life? I'm gonna stick that in the, in the chat room. Give me a second here. Do I want to live a godly life? That's, that's the first question. Do I want to live a godly life? Is that a goal of mine? And don't give the Christian answer just yet. Don't tell yourself, of course I do. I'm a, I follow Jesus. Don't do that just yet. Because if you're honest with yourself, oftentimes you start the day, that's not your top goal. Your top goal is to be successful. Your top goal is to accomplish everything on your to-do list. Your top goal is to, to be in control of something. Your top goal is to prove yourself to the people around you, to get pats on the back from people. Your top goal is to uh, live a comfortable life, maybe, right? I want to live a comfortable life. Um, let me close that door. So my kid's coming up in the basement. This happens from the house. Um, where was I? Yeah, so anyway, sometimes we don't want to live a godly life. Sometimes I don't always want to live a godly life. Sometimes we want the people around us to live a godly life so that we can be more comfortable. Hmm? Think about that. Sometimes we pray, God, can you make my spouse more godly so I can be more comfortable? Can you make my boss a little more godly or my pastor a little more godly or my neighbor a little more godly so I can be more comfortable, Right? We don't want to live a more godly life. But when I'm feeling anxious about things, sometimes I'll think about it and realize that it's because I've put other priorities above living a godly life. I'm, 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 I'm making good things, right? Things, whether in the family or in ministry, that feel unresolved, they have become top priority and it's creating anxiety. Here's what I do. Here's what I've, what I've come to do that realigns my heart. I'll ask myself, is my conscience clear? Like, is there anything that I've done wrong that I need to confess to God, change, repent of, address? And if God shows me, yes, there is, then I go, okay. Then that's what it means to be faithful here. I'm going to address it. I'm going to apologize. I'm going to fix that. It, it, like, that, that, that thing that I did wrong. If there's nothing for me to do, then all I can do is say, okay, God, my conscience is clear. I've been as faithful as I could be. These things that are unresolved, oh, well. My priority is to live a godly life, and if my conscience is clear, then I'm good with you. That brings me peace. So that's the first question. Do I want to live a godly life? Is that my top priority each day? Is that your top priority today? Is that your top priority going into 2021? Or is it for the pandemic to be over and the, you know, the economy to be back to normal? Is that it? Or is it to live a godly life? Is it for your kids to be better behaved at school so you stop having to deal with stuff? Or is it to live a godly life? That's not first question. Now, second question is, do you really, I'm going to type this, do you really believe that you have all you need to live that kind of life? Do you really believe that you have all you need to live that kind of a life? Or do you think, you know what, I really need more money. I really need a better job. Then I'll, I'll, be, I'll have more joy and I'll be kinder to the people around me if I had a better job. It's my job that makes me so irritable. Or if I had a better spouse. It's my spouse that makes me so, so angry all the time. Right? I'll be kinder if so-and-so is kinder to me. I'll forgive so-and-so if they forgive me first or if they apologize to me. If they admit they do, that's you saying, I don't have all I need to live a godly life. I need these external things from other people. I need circumstances to change to live a more godly life. Right? I need more sleep, right? Maybe parent of a newborn or, I've been there, right? I got sleep issues. Sometimes I'm like, man, I would be in a better mood if I, had, if I slept better. And I stopped thinking that way. Because no, this passage says, I've got everything I need to live a godly life today. I don't need any circumstances to change for me to live the life that God wants me to live. What does he say here? His divine power. His divine power. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for a godly life. It's by his divine power. Through his power. I love this quote by John Piper. I want to read it to you. He says this. We need to pause and stress this. The Christian faith is not merely a set of doctrines to be accepted. 
It is a power to be experienced. It is a tragic thing to ask people if they know the Lord and have them start listing the things they believe about the Lord. Brothers and sisters, believing things about Jesus Christ will save no one. Stop there for a moment. I know that bothers some folks. Brothers and sisters, believing things about Jesus Christ will save no one. The devils are the most orthodox believers under heaven. Right? So that's kind of a reference to the book of James where it says, even the demons believe what we believe. It is divine power that saves. If the power of God does not flow into your life and make you godly, you are not Christ's. The mark of sonship or adoption is divine power. And the mark of power is godliness, which means a love for the things of God and they walk in the ways of God. So power is what we need. Power is what we need. And thankfully, for those of us who have trusted in Christ, it's not just a belief in our head. We've trusted in him and we've been born again by his spirit. Power is what we get. Power is what we get. Access to his divine nature. Access to the very power that raised Jesus from the dead is what we get. Now that brings us to the third question. Because some of us know this. Some of us forget this. Uh, but all of us, I think, could ask this question. How do we access this power? How do we access this power? Put this in the chat room here. How do we access this power? It's one thing to have something. It's another thing to use it. Correct? I mean, how many of you guys have bought or signed up for gym memberships and then after a week you don't go to the gym? You're paying the membership. You belong to that gym, but you're not accessing it. You're not going there. You're not utilizing it. Right? You ever, you ever do that? Anybody? Uh, or, or maybe you're, you, you know, you buy something on a late night, you know, one of those infomercials like a Vitamix, right? You finished a tub of ice cream. You're like, man, I'm so unhealthy. I need to get back in shape. And this Vitamix commercial pops up. And you're like, I'm going to get that. And I'm going to make a healthy fresh thing, you know, carrot juice. And every day I'm going to do that. And you order it. You make something. And you realize, man, this is messier than I thought. And then you put it in the shelf of your pantry and you haven't used it in six months. It's there. You have it. But you don't use it. I think some of us do that with God's divine nature, the power that we have access to. We don't actually utilize it. We have it, but we don't access it. We don't grab hold of it. We don't embrace it. We, we put it in the closet, so to speak. We put it on the back shelf, so to speak. Let me read that again. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go into verse 4 and 5 here. So, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life, right? Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. So th through our knowledge, knowing something is what gives us access to his great and precious promises. Uh, so what, what is it? What do we have to know? It's knowing Jesus through our knowledge of him who called us. So Jesus called us. So it's our knowledge of Jesus. It's knowing Jesus. Right? So again, that means it's not just anybody who has access to his divine power. It's only those who have an intimate knowing of Jesus, a relationship with him. Um, and it's as we grab hold of his divine and his, his, uh, his great and precious promises. You see that in verse 4? So it's as we stand on and gaze on his great and precious promises, the hope he has given us. So when we forget these promises, when we forget this hope that we have, when we take our minds and our eyes off of it, that's when we drift. And that's when we stop accessing his power. So basically what it, what it means is we have to continuously gaze upon, be filled with awe upon, be filled with awe by the promises that we have in Jesus. The, 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 the inheritance that we have in him, the life we get in him, who he is, how great he is, how awesome he is. Basically, worship, worship of him is how we get access to his divine power. It's how we access it. It's how we're filled with his spirit in fresh ways so that we can live that godly life. So when we forget this and we try to live a godly life in our own strength, here's what it leads to. Failure at worst and then shame and guilt, and then we try to, you know, we say, oh, we're going to do better, I'll try harder. Or, if we feel like we're being successful, it's no fun. 
It's no fun to be godly in our own strength. You can write that down. Trying to be godly in our own strength is no fun. It's no fun. It's, it's, it's as we gaze upon his great and precious promises, and then look what it says, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Pause there. So participate in the divine nature, it's the same idea, right? We, we, we fellowship with, we have access to, we partake of the divine nature, the very nature of God himself, we get to participate in. I, with, I, I picture us swimming in, like a pool, like jumping in, like swimming in the very nature of God. That's what we get as we gaze upon his promises that he has for us. And then it says, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. See that? The rest of verse 4. Having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. So, the power comes as we cling to his promises, right? Basically, worship. And the power leads to the practice of a godly life that is free from the corruption of the world, which is caused by evil desires. So desire speaks to our passions, our wants, what we treasure, what, we, what, we, what we're enticed by. And this is why, again, we need to worship God. Not just say, oh, I'm going to follow his, 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 his commands and, and, and try to live a moral life. Living a moral life is not a godly life. Godly life includes being moral, but it includes so much more than that. The religious leaders of Jesus' day lived a moral life, not a godly life. They did not have a love for God, a love for people. They looked moral on the outside, but inside there was envy, there was bitterness, there was self-righteousness, there was judgmental, judgmentalism. That's what happens when we try to be moral in our own strength, but we're still enticed by our evil desires. God needs to change our desires by his power, right? Not just, not just help us with our behavior. He needs to change our desires. And that's what we get as we worship him and gaze upon these precious promises. This is why scripture is both incredibly important and also incredibly dangerous. I know it's sacrilegious to say it's dangerous, but Jesus said to the religious leaders, you study the scriptures you know, constantly. You know the scriptures in and out, but the scriptures point to me, and yet you refuse to come to me to have love. And that's what some of us do. We, we read the Bible as a rule book, as a moral ethical code, as a roadmap for life, that kind of thing. When you read it that way, it doesn't change you from the inside. It tells you what to do on the outside, but it doesn't change your affections, your desires. That happens when you read the Bible and go, God, I want you to use the Bible to help me to see your precious promises. Help me to see you for who you are. Help me to see you as big, your love as big, your faithfulness as big, so that my heart's desires change, my affections change. And then when that happens, then we can live a godly life. But when we're reading the Bible, it's just a rule book, list of commands. That's what the religious leaders did. So, faith, worship of God's promises leads to new desires, which leads to the access of divine power, which leads to living a godly life. Make sense? Hope you follow that. Now, as my wife pointed out a few weeks ago, it's is simple, but it's not easy. Simple, but it's not easy, right? Because we can, life gets in the way. We can wake up in the morning and go, okay, God, I'm opening up the Bible. I'm opening up the Bible right now. I want to see you for who you are. Help me to see you for the big God that you are. And, and we can be so blurred by a sleepless night or the, the worries of a work meeting or hurt from a conversation with a friend the night before. We get so, so affected by that, that that we just can't see God for who he is. We, we, we're not affected by our reading. It's not, it's not filling our hearts. We want it to. We're crying out to God, God, I don't want to be distracted by these things. Help me to see you for the big God that you are. Fill me, God. And yet, we're just affected by all these other things in life. So what do we do? What do we do? We're, we're just kind of passively waiting. God, when are you going to fill me? When are you going to change my desires? When are you going to fill me with this power that I so need today to live a godly life? 
Well, that's the other part. And we're going to keep reading here. Let's keep reading. Move to the right a little bit. Hmm? You're on the edge. No, Verse 5. We're almost done. We're almost done. Just a few minutes here. For this very reason, make every effort to add... Listen. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. Make every effort, it says, for this very reason. What very reason? The fact that you have access to his divine power, now you make every effort. So it's the worship of God, gazing upon his precious promises. That's, that's one side of it. But the other side is, now you make every effort. You walk this out. You take some steps. You, you, you take charge, in a sense. You take authority, in a sense. Make every effort. That's your doing. Not in order to have access to his divine power, but because you have it. For this very reason, you've got his power. Make every effort to put on goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance. And, and these are all, these aren't like sequential virtues that you add, like, you know, a few weeks you spend on this one and then you add this one. No, these are all multiple uh, angles and multiple shades of the same fruit of godliness. Um, so it's, so it's, it's you making every effort to put these things on because you have access to his power. Think of it like this. Because the electricity is flowing through the house, go make every effort to turn on the light switches and clean off all the light bulbs so that the, height, that the house shines as bright as possible. Not in order to get electricity into the house, but because you have electricity flowing through the house, you make every effort to go switch everything on, clean the light bulbs, make the house as bright as possible. Take out the old bulbs, put in new bulbs, Right? You make every effort because you have electricity. And likewise, because you have access to God's divine power, take some steps. Put on self-control. Decide today that you're going to exercise more self-control. Decide today that you're going to be kinder. Decide today that you're going to forgive. And as you take those steps, you watch God fill you. You watch God change your desires. You can walk it out. Peter's saying, don't sit idly by and just wait to start your, to feel different things and then start moving. No, just start moving. Hit the gas and drive. God has put gas in the tank. Hit the gas and drive. He's given you the authority. So it says you make every effort. Hit the gas and start driving, baby. Don't just sit back going, well, if God wants the car to start moving, he'll make it move. He's telling you, make every effort. Take his word seriously. You've been given authority. And then he, we're going to finish this up here. The last, last couple of verses. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So if you have these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God wants you to be productive. He wants you to be, have an impact. Right? He, he wants to give you his power so that you can have an impact on the world. You can advance his kingdom. You can spread the aroma of Christ throughout the world. And then he says this. Last verse. Whoever, verse 9, whoever does not have them, these virtues, is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So if you're not walking this out, if you're not um, seeing an ever-increasing growth in your, in, in, in your character, you have forgotten that you've been cleansed. You have forgotten that you've been saved. You have forgotten that you've been washed, that you have access to his divine power. So in other words, because you have access to his nature, because you have his spirit, uh, you don't have to keep struggling. You should expect growth. You, you should expect change and you should expect breakthrough. Hit the gas and drive. Keep going. Now, let me return to the last question. Or, or two, the, the first, let me state the last question, which circles back to the first thing we started with, which is, what if I still struggle? What if I still fall after all this? Here's the thing. On one hand, we will. We will struggle until Jesus returns in different ways. We absolutely will. 
And when we do, we have that promise from 1 John verse 9 that we started with. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So those sins are covered. Those failures are covered. You take a few steps and you fall, it's covered. You decide today that you're going to grow in an area and by February you fall off the wagon, it's covered. God forgives you. You fall your knees. You confess it. You celebrate God's grace over it. You, 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 you stay on your knees for a moment. You say, God, thank you that your grace covers this. But here's what you don't do. You don't stay on your knees to the point where you go, I guess I'm just supposed to stay like this and not get up and start walking again. You don't do that. You don't use that as an excuse or as a reason that, to, to think that you're never supposed to grow. Nor do you get up so quickly and go, God, I'm so sorry. I'm going to show you. I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to do better. Nope, that's, that's you operating in your own strength with the motivation to prove yourself to God. You don't have to prove yourself to God. You stand your knees for a moment. You accept God's grace. You celebrate it. And then you say, God, I can't do this on my own. But your grace, your power, you can help me. So I'm going to get up. And I'm not going to get up in my own strength. I'm going to get up in your strength. But I'm going to make every effort to put one foot in front of another. And I'm going to take more steps. And I'm going to walk this out. And I'm going to decide that, that that area of impatience where I struggle with, that area of irritability, that area of, 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 of despair, I'm going to put one foot in front of it and I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to conquer it. I'm going to grow in that area. I'm going to walk this out. I'm going to be more patient. And as I'm taking those steps, you're going to fill me with new desires. You're going to fill me with your divine power to walk this out. And I'm going to see an ever-increasing uh, ever, ever increasing growth in my character, uh, new freedom, new joy, and new peace. So make every effort. So I'm going to bring my wife on. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to um, ask you guys to consider, as she's getting settled in here, um, what is an area of your life that you need to overcome? What is an area of your life, of your heart, where you need to see breakthrough? Where you want to see breakthrough? And maybe you don't. Maybe you've been content thinking like, you know, God forgives me. I can kind of, you, you've been kind of, thinking like certain areas of your life God doesn't really care that much about. I don't have to be that surrendered to him. Well, hopefully by this point, priority. Jeff's phone went off. Sorry about that. You want that to be your top priority. And if so, uh, if that's the case, do you believe that God wants to give you breakthrough this, this, this next year? Okay. All right. All right, babe. Ask away. So I asked her to, pre I, this is the question I gave her yesterday. What's an area of struggle that has seemed impossible to break that you can believe God for? Are we still on, by the way, Jeff? Okay. Okay. See, uh, my screen went dark on my computer here. Oh, yeah. Somebody wrote, come back in the chat. I might be off. Everything here shows live. weird unless when that alarm went off and I had to turn it off it blacked blacked the phone out for a second okay there you go there you are okay so this is the question I gave her what is an area of struggle that has seemed impossible to break that you can believe God for as we head into 2021 not because it's a new year's resolution but because you can more fully embrace the access you have to his divine nature so I didn't like prepare anything but I and I didn't give it a ton of thought but when you asked me um like I knew right away like something came to mind right away so I just knew that that's what I should share um for me it's depression um I don't think it's like a sin thing but it's a uh, like I've dealt with these I mean you know these bouts of depression like real clinical depression um, since college, so over 20 years now. Um, and it's just like become like part of me. It's like just something I deal with. Um, that's just such a part of my life now that I don't pray for it. I don't, I just kind of see it as this is just me. Like I just deal with depression and this is just how life is for me. So when you ask the question, it's like, yeah, why, why, why don't I believe that God can help me with that? Like, I've gotten so good at managing it that it's, a lot of days it's like not even a thing. 
but then there's a lot of days where it's awful. Like it's just, you know, like I, I, I deal with it fine. I do everything right. I, you know, I exercise, I sleep, I, um, and, and it's not like I can't see things like good things right in front of me. It's just, I can't always like feel how great things are. And, um, it's funny, like I remember talking to April and Joe about it one day and, um, Joe was like, we got to pray for this. We got to, we got to just, you know, you need to get past this. And, and I, I remember being like, yeah, I guess I could pray for that. Like, I don't, I just always like thought, well, this is just me. I just have depression. Like, it's just me. So, um, it's kind of like, I'm so reliant on kind of my habits and ways of dealing with it and managing it that it's, I just, I just don't even think to pray for it where like, of course, God's power can help me overcome that, you know, um, of course I could, you know, live a better life without that. So, um, yeah, it's just like believing in that power and, and that's just like one area where I just never even think to pray for it. Yeah. And do you think it leads to, um, you know, talking about depression can be complicated because there's 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 chemical imbalance. There's there's personality aspects to it. Um, there can be sin aspects. There can be spiritual attack, uh, spiritual oppression. Um, but but do you think there's any aspect of it, the way that you do deal with it, the way that you do manage it, that is um, a lack of trust in, um, or or just put it blankly, like sin whether it's how you respond to it or how you manage it. Yeah, I know it, it is. Depression really is a, it's, it's a complicated one because, um, yeah, like it can definitely turn to sin. It can definitely turn to like being so inward focused that it's all about that. Right. And, and, and that sin, right. Because I'm not, it's hard to be in awe of God, but then, you know, you can question it like that. It is a chemical thing for me. So, it's like, all right, does the chemical cause? So it, it's very complicated, but um, it, it makes me so inward focused that it does become sinful. And I, and I don't think that that's what God wants. Yeah, do you, I mean, do you feel like it affects your love for people? I think so, because my tendency is to just, um, you know, want to be alone and, and not not reach out as much as I, you know, desire to or want to, you know, if you, if you know depression, if you dealt with depression, which uh, I'm sure a lot of people have, um, it's very like, you're very tired. Like for me, it's, I get super tired. It's like, I just need to sleep. I just need to cry, but I don't, I don't know why it is that I'm feeling like that. And it's, it's like people, um, it's like sort of kind of like survival mode, just like, all right, I need to do whatever I can do to just kind of make myself feel better and, and I've gotten really good at it but um yeah I don't know where I was going with that no no the, the, so it, so that it can it can hinder your love for people because I think I think I think a lot of times when we when we struggle with something it's easy for us and I'm not I'm not trying to I you know I do it too it, it's easy for us to say well this is my personality or this is my struggle and therefore um it's not a sin issue but it is hindering our love for people. It is hindering our ability to, you know, if we can be, um, if if our struggle with something leads to more love for people, and I think, oh, okay, well, look, look, look at God go. You know, awesome, He's redeeming that. But I think I think where we need to take authority over and say, no, I'm going to deal with this, is when we realize that this is actually hindering us from being able to love people the way God wants us to love people. Um, I, I'll here. Let me ask you this question, but before you answer, I'll share so you have a moment to think about it. Um, something recently for me that I saw break. Um, it might sound silly to some of you guys, but so here's the question: What does it look like? So on one hand, you're saying I need to believe for God's power with this, but what does it look like for you to, as Peter said, make every effort, um, you know, to, to to grow and to keep growing in these character qualities. Um, what would that look like for you in this particular area to make every effort? Yeah, I think... Well, before uh, you answer, okay, go ahead. Take, a, take a minute. And now you need to process. 
Um, so Tessa, our youngest daughter, about six months ago, I had, and you know this, but I don't know if I've shared as much with you. Um, six months ago, me and Tessa were like, if, if there was anybody in our, in our family who I felt like I had a strained relationship with, it was my then three-year-old daughter, Tessa. Like I felt really close to the other two, but not super close to Tessa. Like she was always wanting to be with her. Uh, she was always cranky with me. When I would put me put her, her to bed, she wanted her. And I got to the point where I was like, to be honest, in my head, I was like, well, I don't really feel like being with you either. Like I'd rather be with the other two. <laughs> <laughs> like, like in my head, that's kind of how I felt. And uh, she probably, she, you know, she probably could have sensed a little bit of that. Like I, I didn't exactly look forward to being with her when all she was going to be doing was complaining about being with me. Um, and I was sharing with Danny Dornacker one day, who's, you know, one of the accountability guys in my life. And um, I walked away from that conversation. I forget exactly how it went, but I walked away from that conversation realizing I need to pray that I can delight in Tessa more than I do. Like really just delight in seeing her. Even if she doesn't, if she's not happy to see me, who cares? If, so I can delight in her the, the way that God delights in me as, as, as his son, I need to be able to delight in her. So I started to pray that. Like, God, help me to delight. Like, I put it in my journal. Like, help me to delight in Tessa. Delight in seeing her. And hopefully, she'll, as that happens, she'll be able to sense that. Maybe something will change for her. Um, so I was praying for it. I was, on one hand, believing for God's power to change my affections, my emotions, my feelings. But on the other hand, I was realizing that I can't just wait for that to happen. I need to make every effort. I need to take some steps. So what did that look like? Well, in a sense, it was like fake it till you make it, but for the purpose of feeling it. So like, I would see her and I was starting to try to, exp I mean, you see me with her sometimes, like try to, ex she's super expressive. So really try to express like, Tessa, that's a beautiful this and that's a beautiful, and really trying to delight in her. Um, and as I was doing that, um, and I was seeing the like seeing her be impacted. My my emotions were changing, and to make a long story short, six months later, um, uh, one of the things I'm praising God for COVID with, or what God did with, is like I got really close to Tesla. Like right now, we're like like really buds. Like in the morning, she's the one who wants to give me a hug in the morning. Like I, I, I'm excited to see her. She seems excited to see me. When I put her to bed at night, she doesn't stop holding on to me. And you know, it, like it's, it's, it's night and day difference than it was six months ago. And I attribute that to God changing that relationship, um, but changing my affections, but also showing me, hey, you can take some steps to make every effort to delight in your daughter. Uh, and, and, and trust me to supply new affections for you. Um, so again, th that might sound like a shallow example. I, I know people are going through some deep, deep stuff, um, but that's just an example of God coming through and, and a testimony that I can share. Um, so I shared that. I can share more stuff that, I, that I'm dealing with, but yeah, what would that look like for you to make every effort? So I think it's like this tension, which goes with your message, um, like this tension of like trusting God that he has power over it and that he, he can and will change it, but also like um, not trying so hard myself. So, so kind of like... Um, like loosely battling it so that it's not, um, it doesn't consume me so that my focus can still be on God and his power to change it versus like my own self-reliance. Um, self-reliance for me is like a, not a good thing in a lot of ways. Cause it's, you know, when you get good at something and you, you know, become so good at managing it, then you are just, you just tend to be reliant on yourself. But I think also simultaneous with that is like, um, the, the, like the guilt and shame that comes with it too. Like there's such a stigma with depression and even just like sharing it now is like a big step, I think for me, because uh, I do, I don't talk about it, and now everybody knows, but <laughs> I don't tell anyone. Um, I just kind of try to be strong. And so, like, there's something to 
sharing your, I'm going to cry now, sharing your weakness, right? Mm -hmm. And like, God made me like this. He's, but he can still overcome it. You know, it's like this weird, like, yeah, he made me like this, but he has better for me. And like, how do you live in both those things at the same time? Um, yeah. That's, I know, very complicated, but. No, so I mean, that, um, that's, yeah, so you, 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 your tendency is to sort of try to push through in your own strength, fight it off, and, and, and I mean, you, you almost feel guilty about having, about struggling with depression. Yeah, like I, I'm looking at this comment and that this, this is actually really helpful. So Jane wrote, Spurgeon's depression made him more dependent on God. For me, it makes me less dependent on God. And so that's where I could like lean into it. Like, mm -hmm. if I could use it in those moments to be more dependent on God, it would grow me. But I tend to be like, no, I need to push through this and work through this and not be weak and be strong instead of letting God be strong because he's a lot <laughs> stronger than I am. So Yeah. Um, it's almost like that picture of a little boy falling, like instead of trying to get back, right back up and going, no, no, Dad, don't worry. I got, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do better. Like just pausing and going, okay, I fell. God's, God's grace is there. He it's okay to not be okay. Like yeah. I, I think you need to start there in, in order to grow, in order to embrace the breakthroughs that God wants for us, do you think you have to start by going, it's, it's okay to not be okay? Like, God doesn't want to leave me here, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to wallow in, in feeling guilty about this. It's, it's okay that I just don't, yeah. it's okay that I'm yeah. dealing with this. Yeah, exactly. Because like everybody has stuff, right? We all have stuff as much as we might try to be all put together and you know, I'm, I'm always going to think of my thing as worse than your thing because this is what I'm dealing with. But we all have things. So if we can all just put them before God rather than trying to hide them, which is my tendency, um, I think it, it can do big things. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, I, I, yeah, I think uh, that's good. How about some of you guys? Um, before we continue on, um, maybe we'll just spend another five to ten minutes and then we'll, we'll call it a day, but anything that you guys have been able to identify that you want to see a breakthrough in, you don't have to get too too vulnerable and too deep if you don't want to, but maybe just a, an area, you know, um, you know, you don't, if it's forgiveness, you don't have to say forgiveness of my cousin who did this, but just forgiveness of a family member or um, addiction, compulsive behavior. Um, you can you can kind of write some stuff. I know a lot of folks are putting some things in. Shay wrote, "Depression brought me to Christ, but it has at times been an ongoing struggle for me." Yeah, I guess uh, depression is um, kind of a uh, somewhat common thing, right? Mary, thank you, Jess. I struggle with depression also. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, the great comments, you guys. Yeah, it's it's the comments are are great. They're super encouraging. Hmm. Um I've been saying it for years. Have Jess on more. <laughs> you have been saying it. I've been trying. I've been trying. It's only it's rare she'll agree to it. Get all my issues out there. This is over. <laughs> um, we'll give it a moment as you... Oh, Kim Peterson, I've struggled so much with anxiety. I've dealt with but spending time with my Lord and really trusting Him. Yeah. Um, anger, negativity. Yeah, fertility, somebody put. Pride, anger. Yeah, that's good. And I, and I think one of the lies that, that I've, I, I, I can deal with anxiety. Um, and I can get kind of OCD. I've always, since I was a kid, just had like the OCD tendencies with my mind. And, and, and sometimes you have this like, this, this window of time where you're like, wow, I feel like I've grown. I've really, God's freed me from that. And then a week happens or a day and it's like, oh no, I didn't grow. Like that's the lie. I didn't grow at all. Mm -hmm. I, 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 that was, you know, I was, 
you know, just naive to believe that I can grow in that. This is how I'm going to show. Like, that's, that's the lie. And I think we go, no, 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 no. This is a day. This is a moment. I stumbled. Yeah, I, there's a struggle here. Um, but tomorrow, you know what? It's a new day. And um, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to walk. I'm going to walk this out. Uh, I'm going to keep taking steps. Um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good point to kind of take each day as it comes. Like, it definitely, it's a day-by-day -day thing for me. And, um, you know, on the bad days, I can get caught in that and just feeling like this is, this is every day, you know? Like, it's just like this blanket thing. But it's not, you know? God... God will, you know, show up or do things when I'm really needing them. That is like, I'm like, okay, this is, this is okay. You know, like he'll always provide what you need in the hardest moments, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, because of my sleep issues, I used to think that I used to think, okay, if, if I'm really tired tomorrow, I, I can't be on you know, personality-wise, and therefore I can't serve people the way God wants me to serve people. I don't know if I consciously saw, thought it, but it was it was a feeling I would get. So in a sleepless night, I'd be like, oh man, I got that meeting tomorrow. I'm not going to be able to serve that person or, or love that person or love my family or be present at that gathering like, like God wants me to. And I realized um, that that's, that's another lie. Like, you know, I, I have everything I need for life and godliness. I, I have everything I need to live the godly life that God wants me to live. I may not be relying on my personality as much tomorrow. I may not be relying on my physical energy as much tomorrow. Um, I may be more dependent on you, God, but that could be a good thing where your love flows through me in a greater way. So I'm not going to... So it's, so, it's, so it's like two lies. Number one is... I can't grow, but even if we believe that, okay, I can grow, we, we tend to think that we need other things yeah. in order to do that. And, uh, you know, because of my sleeplessness, that's, that's been something that's always been robbed of me, um, that, oh no. And I've learned that, no, 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 I don't, I don't need sleep in order to live a godly life. I don't need sleep in order to love people. Yeah. Like, you don't. I, I, if I have his divine power, maybe somebody who doesn't have his divine power does, but I don't. I can, I, can, I can love people, serve people the way God wants me to without sleep. Yeah. I, I think we, like, get a picture in our mind of how we're supposed to be. And then we, like, try to set our lives up to, like, maintain that picture. And, like, God's like, no, no, no. Like, I got a totally different picture, you know. But it's like in our minds we're like, well, no, this is how I'm supposed to be. This is how I'm going to serve people. This is how I'm going to love people. And that's not his plan at all right and so if we're relying on him i think he'll unfold things so that we can see his plan more clearly instead of having this picture that we think we have to stick to um yeah that makes sense it does it does what are some things that you have relied on in order to live a godly life that maybe you don't don't need as much I mean I think like um, what you were saying about like being on for people like I think like with depression you know there's just days that I'm like dragging and and, and I don't want to I don't want to present that to people like I want to just be the happy person and be the person who listens and be the person who comforts and because I know those are gifts that I have but um, like I think God would tell me or tells me that like, it's okay for people to comfort you too it's okay to come to people like on those broken days and just be like i got nothing like i'm just here um hopefully you'll love me anyway you know like, and people people do people will people yeah. who really love you love you anyway like and and i it's funny because in the reverse like i don't want people always coming to me all happy like i want people to come to me in their brokenness but for some reason I don't want to go to people in my brokenness. Mm. I don't know what that is, but pride, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I pride. think probably because <laughs> vulnerability is one way to serve people. I mean, look at what you're sharing and how people are being served by that with the, based on the comments. So, like, we, 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 we tend to want to be present strength for people, and that's, yeah, I think that is pride. I think that's <laughs> us thinking because vulnerability serves. Yeah. It loves, it, 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 it enters in. 
Um, it gives other people freedom to admit where they're struggling. Um, yeah, and I and, and like I've noticed with you, I don't think you'd mind me sharing this. You can tell me afterwards. Um, but there are days when you're struggling with depression, and I know it, and there's a wall up between us. There's other days where you're struggling with depression, and it, it seems like you allow it to draw us closer, where you're you're vulnerable about it, and you'll talk to me about it, and it's and you're 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 coming to me with it, and then other days it's your response is different. The walls are up, and it's like, okay, um, it's hard to connect right now, yeah. and. Um, and, and to my shame, sometimes those are the days where I think in some subconscious part of my brain, in order for me to love her well, I need her walls to come down. Darn it. If her walls weren't down, I could love her better. Like that's kind of, mm -hmm. yeah. And instead I've, I've got to trust that, you know what? God's given me everything I need through his divine power to love my wife. I don't need her to change today in order to love her today. She can have her walls up. That's, that's between her and you, God. I can love her. Um, but I need to trust that more. Yeah. But do you notice those days? Those differences in those days? Yeah, yeah. I think um, when the walls are up, it's usually because I'm frustrated and there's a shame thing there. Like, I'm frustrated. Like, I don't want to feel like this. I don't want to have this, like, exhausted feeling just, you know... I just don't feel like dealing with this today. And so I put the walls up and um, I'm like, I'm not gonna bother anyone with this issue. And mm. um, yeah, like I, I don't, I, 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 yeah, I feel like I, I make the issue my own and I, and I don't wanna put it on anyone else. And which is funny, cause ironically that's when it bothers you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's when there's a disconnect. Yep. Yeah. So vulnerability serves. Vulnerability connects. Well, cool. It's 11.05. Um, our plan was to go about an hour. So uh, we'll start to wrap this up. Let me just see if there's any comments that are good to... Uh... Bob McD, we love you more for sharing your heart. Honesty is strength. Amen, man. Thanks, Bob McD. Thanks for jumping in there. Kim Peterson... Yeah, Kim was so encouraging. I was reading her comments. Thank, we you, Kim, Thank Kim. you, Kim. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Kim. Jane Newman says, Just what you have so openly shared and brought to the light, depression will lose some of its power over you. Let the healing begin. Yeah, Amen. Awesome. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Danny Dornacker, it's ongoing pride. Need to rely more and more on him. Thanks for being honest, dude. I too struggle with clinical depression, Christina, and tend to turn inward during times of struggle. Thank you, Jess, for sharing. I knew it was a good idea to have her come on, right? Right? This is Jeff's trying to take credit for it. Jeff, I probably talked her into it more. He has more influence with her doing these things. Um, hey, let's, let, let me pray for our church. Um, you guys are going to be praying for us, and thank you for mm, that. Awesome. Um, thank you for that. Um, yeah, I, I know a lot of you guys, you say you pray for us, and you really do. <laughs> so mm, thank mm, you. Mm, um, um, so look, we just, I, I think for my wife and her coming on and being willing to share and be honest and be vulnerable and... Mm. Uh, yeah, God, we're, we're expecting breakthrough. That, that little picture that you did with me and Tessa that mm -hmm. um, I'm so thankful for. I've got more areas of my heart, pride and selfishness, and um, how I respond to Jess's moods sometimes that you want to break. Um, and, and you've got areas of her heart that you want to uh, bring breakthrough to. Um, and we're trusting you for that, and we also are asking you to show us what does it mean to make every effort? What does it mean to make every effort to put on goodness, godliness, perseverance. Um, and I ask that for everybody in, in our church uh, who has been able to identify an area where they do need breakthrough, even if it's been something that they have struggled with for years yeah. and they can't imagine seeing a breakthrough in it. Mm. And it, 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 it's become so part of them. This is just who I am, they feel like. Mm. This is just the way I am. This is just the way I'm wired. God, give them 
the gift of faith to believe that now this over this next year you're, you're going to bring breakthrough yeah. you're going to bring growth you're going to bring freedom you're going to bring new forms of joy and peace that they hadn't experienced before mm. they're going to experience the same type of circumstances and realize oh it doesn't bother me as much as it used to when so and so acts like such and such hmm. it doesn't bother me as much as it used to i don't need them to change in order to be more godly, you have given me divine power. Oh. It's in your beautiful name, Jesus. We pray these things because you died and rose again. That we can pray these things and have access to your divine nature. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Um, again, we're going to be back normal times next week from Bayhead Chapel, 9.15 and 11 a.m. Uh, in person and online. And uh, we're kicking off something new, and we're going to have a testimony from April Walters. Goodbye to April and Joe. Um, um, Jess and I will stick around the chat room, but we'll tune off. We'll turn off the. Uh, can we do that, Jeff? Turn off the camera, but be in the because our kids are going to come up in the basement. It's going to get loud, so we'll be in the chat room, um, but not on the screen. All right, you guys. If we don't talk to you. Happy New Year. <laughs>